Hello and welcome to the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, how are you this evening, sir? I'm in uh, full off-season mode now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I am you? in it. I am in intense emotional pain. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it literally. We were just talking about this. Off-season started fast last night, like for both sports, baseball and softball. I don't remember the last time both sports ended within basically what felt like 30 minutes of each other, but that's really what happened. Um, I, I don't know. There's so much to get to. I'm, I'm sure you're kind of feeling the same way about it all. Yeah, it was definitely an abrupt end to both of those seasons when I definitely thought baseball was going to keep going. I know we'll get to that. And I thought softball was too going to make it to that championship series. Now going up against OU, I would have been a little, you know, skeptical about them pulling that off. I would have been cheering though, cheering hard. Well, yeah, for sure. But baseball, I definitely thought the season was going to last a little bit longer, at least one more weekend. So tough to see both those teams go out, but Hey, we, uh, we'll get into that soon. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we might as well just jump into it because there's a lot to get to and, and, you know, this podcast with, with all that happened, you know, we, we primarily are a football podcast, but it is full football offseason, and with the events of last night, I think that's that's a lot of what's on tap. So, I mean, jumping right into it, let's talk softball first um, because I think that the stakes were higher. There's no doubt about it. Oklahoma State wins the first two games in the College World Series over Florida and then in the first game over Arizona, obviously. And then they get to a, a matchup with Texas, which when that came out, I felt very good about it. I Oklahoma State hasn't lost to Texas since 2020. So I was thinking, you got two shots at them, and they haven't beat you in two years. I, I, like, I like their chances. And, um, you know, I mean, we can kind of jump into it game by game or however you want to do it, but things didn't go the Cowgirls' way. I mean, uh, Texas for, you know, I mean, Courtney Day all of a sudden is, is Barry Bonds out there or uh, anybody else – that hits home run. She was just a, she was a menace to Oklahoma state. Yeah, it was a, it was a great start. Like you said, they beat Arizona four, two on Thursday and then take Florida down two zero on Saturday. And in that first game, Maxwell just killing it again, 14 strikeouts. I believe that was the most against Arizona all season. Then you've got OSU kind of doing a little, you know, what they've done all season, just get enough runs when Maxwell when Maxwell is up there. So they take a 1-0 lead, and then Kelly gives up a two-run home run to Palacios for Arizona. So it's 2-1 Wildcats in the fifth. And then in the bottom of the sixth, the Cowgirls are able to open things up with a Carly Petty. She's been, she's been the hero recently at the plate. We talked about her going into, going into the College World Series being kind of a key piece for this cowgirl softball team she hits a three-run homer and they're able to they're able to win the game they're able to take it four to two riding kelly maxwell 
and riding Carly Petty's big time hit, some great fielding in that game. And then in, in the game two, since the well, softball college b- World before Series you schedule, get to Florida, you're missing one, one quick thing. You're, you're, you're forgetting to congratulate me on something. Just so you, I called the score on the nose. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened in the history of this. Florida too. That was beautiful. Yeah, no, that was a great, a great call from you, but Kate, what, what were your thoughts overall on that game? Well, it was, it was wild. Um, that, that three run shot in the bottom of the sixth was riveting. I, I thought Oklahoma state was in dire straits and they were, that was really the most action they had had on the base pads. I think they scored one in the fourth, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but they just, they weren't getting a lot uh, of action. And then the, the one time they get a couple people on base, they make the most out of it. Carly Petty was phenomenal. She was phenomenal in the supers. She was phenomenal in the regional. Um, and she was phenomenal after this. And so, um, that was a really, really fun game. And it was one that when it happened, I thought, you know, Oklahoma state just had that look. And then, you know, Kelly Maxwell was (laughs) unbelievable and, you know, Oklahoma state just rode her into the ground. And so, um, anyway, I, that, that's kind of my thoughts on that particular game. Um, it's a good team. You know, Kenny Gaheski said after the game that the coaching staff considered pinch hitting for Petty. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I'm he glad he they didn't. didn't. Like, he didn't like the looks uh, at the plate she had earlier against Hannah Bowen, so he thought about pinch hitting, <laughs> and then went ahead and kept her out there, and she hits the three run bomb. So yeah, it was awesome. The Cowgirls looked great in that game, and like you said, Cade called the called the score right on the nose, which was extremely impressive at four to two, and then. In the game two game, I was actually there. Went on Saturday with our uh, with our friend of the pod, Alex Fuller, awesome. my buddy Barrett, and uh, another friend of the pod, our guy Eddie Ratto, was hey. with us. Was with us at all? Was with me as well. And uh, my dad and brother were there. It was a good time. But they win that one two to zero again. With like I said, with the College World Series new revamped schedule since last season, Kelly Maxwell gets a day off, so she's able to go again. And they're able to take down Florida two to zero with some small ball the, to get their one Oh lead Cottrell singles, Kylie Naomi bunts, then Chelsea Alexander bunts, and then Cheyenne factor also bunts to get, to get that score, which is pretty funny. Cottrell had a great game. Uh, Kenny Gajewski said that he went with Cottrell over tuck because tuck had been starting a lot recently because Florida steals so much and Cottrell has the better arm. So he went with her, her former team, and she was able to, I think, become the player of the game on offense outside of Kelly Maxwell. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, it's things get a little bit easier when you hold the opponent to to three hits. I mean, that yeah, as long as they're inside the ballpark, things get a whole lot easier. And so Oklahoma State didn't have to do a whole lot. Um, but that that was a hysterical uh moment in that game to score that first run. It was it was kind of hard to believe that that was the way it was going. So and Cade, so then after the game, we've got five Oklahoma State players selected for random drug testing. Oh, thank you for bringing this up. Yes, and Kelly Kelly Maxwell, she pitches. She's pitched two complete games in three days. Her sample was diluted, so obviously she's trying to rehydrate herself after pitching that much and sweating. <laughs> so she doesn't get back to the team hotel. And it isn't able to get a good sample until 3 a.m. Yeah. after pitching all those or pitching that first game and then coming back and pitching the second game. Sorry, it was before the second game. And so she's on 
little rest. I'm sure she got a good night's sleep the night before the game, but still, like, you need two good nights if you're going to go out and pitch again like that. And Kenny Gajewski did not seem happy that they had to get drug tested after that 8.30 game, 8.30 yeah. Central start time with Arizona. I, I, what did you think about that? That just well, seems odd. Like, just – just do it in the morning. She she should have told the person administering the drug test, your sample's diluted, and walk out the front door. <laughs> like, what, like get get out of here with that. After an 8.30 game, you make a great point. That makes it even more ridiculous. And, and Gajewski said it right. Like, it's not even about a random drug test, which is, is – that's sketchy in its own right. Like, why, why after a College World Series game are, are our girls getting random drug tested? But – Beyond that, why are we yeah, doing it after? drug test OU's girls. Yeah, for real. Um, <laughs> All those homers. That's right. Um, but, yeah, no kidding. That's a great point. Anybody doing that? Anybody taking a look down there? Anyway, probably not. Um, <laughs> he made a great point. It wasn't about the test itself. It was about the time and the fact that they essentially held her hostage until 3 in the morning. It's it's inexcusable, really. I mean, it's it's just another example of flawed logic with the NCAA. And you're exactly right. Do it in the morning. Let her get yeah. to sleep. And then Kelly, you know, she's never going to bring it up. So Kenny, Kenny, that's what he said when he brought it up. You know, I'm going to bring this up because she's not going to. But I want you guys to know this happened. So and good for him, by the way. He could have let that go. And good for him for bringing it up. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's all rainbows and butterflies at this point, Cade. And then you get to the Texas game, which you talk about, and they take a 5-0 loss to Texas in game three. They just could not get anything going on the offensive side of the ball. And like you said, Texas' Courtney Day was able to hit a big home run on Maxwell. They're just it – just, it just was not Oklahoma State's game. Check, Texas pitcher, she pitched – amazing Morgan day. She, she wasn't terrible giving up the big home run to day was costly, but outside of that, she pitched pretty well. I believe she retired like nine in a row at one point, but yeah, it was, it was tough to see it. The cowgirls looked a little deflated. I know Kenny Gajewski said after the game, his energy wasn't where he needed it to be. The team's energy wasn't where they needed it to be. And it just was not, it was not the cowgirl team we were accustomed to seeing in recent weeks. Yeah, it was, a, it was pretty surprising. That being said, I loved the decision to go with Morgan day in that first game. I got a couple of texts from some buddies of mine who, uh, why, why I have OU fan buddies. I don't know, but trying to figure out if that, if, if Kelly Maxwell was Morgan days, basically what they were asking. I'm like, no, we're, we're pitching our number two, but she did a decent job. It just Courtney yeah. day turned on it. Um, and, and I mean, it doesn't matter when you score zero runs. And so you, you nailed it. They had a really tough time getting anything going on the base path. I mean, there were a couple of times where Chelsea Alexander's moving to second and third with nobody out, one out, and just can't get her in. And and those things matter in in you know the third, fourth, fifth, sixth inning when when things are still tight and they just couldn't figure it out. And um, I would agree with the body language sentiment you just made, um, especially after that first loss. It I was a little nervous for that second game based on the way some of those girls were walking through the dugout. I, I didn't get a great feeling about it, but it's a good way to transition into the start of this fourth game for Oklahoma State. You know, again, it, Oklahoma State takes their first loss to Texas since 2020, and then they bounce back fast, right? They jump out to a 5-1 lead quickly, and I thought they, I thought it was over. I, I thought they were slamming the door OU style like OU did earlier in the day, um, 
And obviously things didn't go that, that way, which is upsetting. Yeah. And like you said, it, it was just weird. It was weird in the first place to lose to Texas. I saw that that 3-0 lead in game three from Texas was the first lead in more than 30 innings against the Cowgirls this season. Ugh. It's just, it it's tough. But, you know, on offense, Oklahoma State was able to get a little bit going in that last game against Texas. Like you said, you know, you've got Petty with a homer. you got Naomi, who's been pretty cold at the plate this season. The senior with a big hit in a pivotal game. And Maxwell, you could tell she was running on fumes. She pitched you could. A lot of innings. She still struck out 11. She allowed six runs, but only three of those were earned because Cade, Kenny Gajewski decides to go with Carly Petty in right field, her first ever start, taking Caitlin Carwile out of the lineup, putting Bri- Brianna Evans at second base, who we'd seen a lot at second this year. And in, the, in one of the pivotal moments of the game, yeah. a ball gets hit to Carly Petty. She bobbles it throws it in the runner actually is holding at third but the other runners are kind of still moving on the rest of the base pass and Haley Busby makes an errant throw back to second base uh she cut off Petty's throw and it flies all the way to the center field wall and pretty much everybody scores to get Texas back into the game and get them the lead and Oklahoma State just wasn't ever really able to recover from that and Kenny Gajewski mentioned this in the presser I don't. I didn't actually get a chance to go look up and see if it's 100% accurate, but he's saying that's the first time they've had more than one error in a game all season, and they had three in this one. So just completely uncharacteristic from the Cowgirl defense. Well, and, you know, a couple of things there. One, Oklahoma State struggled a lot of this. The latter half of this year is – and the opponents absolutely improved in quality. They played OU multiple times. They played Texas multiple times, Florida, Arizona, Texas again, they struggled to string together base hits at, at times. And, and really that's why this last game against Texas, when they jumped up to that five, nothing lead, I thought, Oh, this is over because they, they need that in order to produce offensively because what they aren't going to do, or at least have not done very well in the recent past is string together multiple base hits, uh, a four or five spot of an inning um, not by hitting homers. So they were they were kind of going in a in a direction that I thought they needed to go. Like the small ball would be great. Stringing together base hits is great, but they just couldn't get that done. Um, and so I thought when it was five nothing, I thought it was over. And you get a two run shot out of Kylie Naomi. It's like that's that's house money at that point. So that and and the error was heartbreaking because once you see that ball roll into the center field wall, I mean that I think it was Bella Dayton that was on who had hit the ball at that point. You're not going to throw her out. She's center fielder for Texas. I mean, super fast. Um, It felt like at that point that that was it. It it just had to be it. So yeah, um, it was, it was tough. It will live in infamy, unfortunately, because I think that that one's up there with, Des Jackson falling short at the goal line. That one's up there. It was, and it's unfortunate for her. Like it's unfortunate for Busby who had played so well all season that, that, that happened to her. Like I I feel bad because it's not representative of how the season went for her, the type of player she is. It's just, it's just unfortunate. And in baseball, uh, that ball is not rolling all the way to center field. So it's just strange. No, hundred percent. And, 
That was the first time Kelly Maxwell outside of the OU series had allowed more than two runs in a game since March 9th. And in that game was 9.2 innings or she pitched 9.2 innings against Minnesota. So it's not like this was characteristic of Kelly Maxwell either. She's pitching a lot recently and she still, it wasn't a terrible game from her. Like I said, only three of those runs were earned in the semifinals of the college world series. So it's not, it's not anything to scoff at that the fielding issues, the energy we talked about, it just kind of all led to that, but a little, little weird, I think too, with the starting petty in right field, not, yeah. not that she's not a good right fielder. I just, I don't know why you want to make those adjustments in that game. Um, I know Carwell wasn't hitting good in the college world series. She's been one of your best hitters, your best hitter most of the season. And she's slumping throughout the college world series, but I still think you keep her out there, but I'm not going to question Kenny Gajewski because he's an amazing coach. It just, it just, it felt weird altogether. That yeah. Time. And those, those little moments and those little decisions are, are magnified on this stage when the teams are as good as they are. I mean, there's, there's not a slouch in that field and Oklahoma state runs into a familiar opponent. And yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it's just like baseball. You can second guess pitching decisions. You can second guess personnel decisions. If you win, nobody ever remembers them. You know what I yeah. mean? And, and so this particular decision, while it has a very large magnifying glass on it now, you know, if Oklahoma state figures out a way to not throw that ball into the outfield or produce something on offense, you, you don't, you never hear about it. So, yeah, no, I completely agree. So Cade, I wanted to ask you, you make it to the semifinal game of the college world series. You win that game against Texas either of those games and you're making it to the finals against OU. So you're one of the last four teams left. Yeah. They started the season ranked on most polls in the top five. We saw some three, some four, some five in the preseason rankings. Was this a successful season? Yes. Um, I agree. Hard, hard to say no to that. I mean, they, they were right there multiple times. Some amazing moments this year. I mean, knocking off OU for the big 12 championship, that that was amazing. Um, that's an easy yes for and me. And you get the tournament win, which hasn't happened. I mean, no. we won the Big Twelve. The last time they won the tournament, it was the Big Eight. That's an that's an easy yes for me. And i i would I would like to think that the sentiment among OSU fans who paid attention this year would say yes, it was a success. I mean, there were some bumps along the road early. But they they ironed most of that out, and I mean, you got to the final four. That's basically what that is. And you got to the final four on the high side, like they they were one game away, and that's that's one what makes it so painful. But like you look back at Oklahoma State, you remember 2017 where they had two shots at Arizona in the College World Series in baseball and couldn't get it done. It feels the exact same way. It's like it doesn't diminish that team's accomplishments at all, but it just puts a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah, and I completely agree. You made some great points there. I I think with softball this season, it was a tight window between the floor and the ceiling. I think the ceiling was winning it all, which you know is going to be tough with a team like OU. But I think the ceiling was either winning it all or getting to that championship series. But I think the floor was making the College World Series. So they're in the middle there. And I, I think that's, I think that makes it a successful season. Like I said, they, they're preseason ranked in the top five. They finish in the top five. They have outstanding seasons from several players on the team. They get a lot 
out of Miranda Ellish, out of Morgan Day, two transfers. You see some good stuff from some young players, Carwile, Evans. And I think overall, it's a great building season into kind of what I wanted to talk about next as well, just kind of next next year's outlook. But I think it's a great building block moving forward. You got Kenny Gajewski on the extension. I think this is a huge positive for Cowgirl softball. No question about anything you just said. I mean, being on that stage, I don't know if you saw this, but last night's games against Texas were the most watched of the College World Series. Not Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. So it is great for Oklahoma State yeah. softball. And just softball in general, I, I had to sell a kidney to get a ticket to that Saturday game. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Could you imagine the ticket prices if Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are in the College World Series tomorrow? Oh, yeah. It, it, it would be VIP only. It'd be, in the, it'd be in the 300s, I would think. So Yeah, it's been wild. It's, it is great for the game. Um, several coaches talking about what it meant to be on ABC all weekend. But the other thing about it is you, you laid it out perfectly. Oklahoma State's floor was getting to the College World Series because you look around at other schools who are always there. We talked about Oklahoma. We talked about Florida. We talked about UCLA. Arizona is another perennial team who even on a down year finds a way to get back there. So there will be years Oklahoma State doesn't make it. There will be years that their roster turns over in, in a sharp manner. But this has to be a stepping stone to, to something even greater. They should be able to go get some of the top players out of the transfer portal. Yeah. And one thing I would suggest is do not watch the post game presser from oh. Oklahoma state uh, waterworks. Oh, it was, really? Uh, it was, it was tough to watch. I mean, it, it, it's great to listen to the girls. They were having some trouble answering the questions, but Kenny, Kenny did a great job after, but just for them to even come out there, it was Alexander factor Maxwell and Pennington. And um, couldn't imagine. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was tough to watch, but I mean, they, they, they did their best and it, it is on YouTube. If you do want to go watch it, it's, it's kind of cool, but kid for, for next season. So here's who they're losing. You lose Chelsea Alexander, you lose Haley Busby, you use Callahan, Richborg, day and Ellish. They're all gone. So coming back, let me throw a, let me throw a starting lineup kind of mix there's going to be a couple ors because i'm not 100 sure on a couple of these but here's what i'm thinking you've got morgan win at first base you've got evans and petty at second you've got petty the incoming mcdonald and you also have Haley castle who i know played third base in high school she's pinched around a little bit this season at third you've got the incoming sokolowski who we talked about on the last yep. podcast a really highly rated recruit who can play shortstop and cade I also recently found out, I think this happened not that long ago, a 2023 recruit just reclassified to 2022, Talon Edwards. She's the number oh, three yeah. player in the country. Yeah. And is she? She's a, a shortstop as well. Oh, boy. So, Sokolot, so you're losing, you're losing Kylie Naomi, one of the best shortstops in softball but you're getting Sokolowski and Edwards, two of the highest rated recruits in the country that can both play short. Um, and then you've got left field. I'm going with Hobson, center field factor, right field Carwile, and then at catcher, it'll be Cottrell and Tuck again. Your pitchers are Maxwell and Clopton with a transfer to be named later because it's Kenny Gajewski. Well, I, I think it's going to be a good lineup. You think they, yeah. I mean, you think they take a step back. They got to, they got to find 
some offensive production. That that's step one. Some consistent production. And and that's the thing, Cade. Like we hit on it earlier, but you know Haley Busby batted three seventy six in twenty twenty one. Yeah, and when I say, I I say production, I you're and then correct. She comes, well, and, and then she comes back this season and, and has a tough year. Morgan Wynn was one of the best hitters in the Big Twelve at Kansas, and she comes into Oklahoma State and struggles. So I think Wynn can turn it around. I know Busby's going to be gone, but I think I think some of these in Naomi as well. I mean, she bat. Uh, two seasons ago she was hitting 341 so it's uh i think some of these girls just struggled from the plate this season i think they can turn it around i think win can turn it around i think evans can get back to where she was earlier in the season but you're right they do need some power and you're hoping maybe they can find somebody on the transfer portal or one of these younger players can step up and, and you're gonna get Carwell back too so she's obviously got power yeah, I mean, so what do you think? We just played ceiling floor. I mean, what do you, what do you think the floor is for a team like that? The way it exists, I mean, they're going to go get somebody, multiple people out of the portal. So what would you say that looks like? Today? With Maxwell coming back and with people like Petty, Evans, Factor, Carwile, Cottrell, and Tuck all back, if Wynn can get back to where she was I mean, at KU, that team can make it to the College World Series again. For sure. I, I think I, easy. I, I think the ceiling is College World Series, I, and I think it's a tight floor ceiling again. I think the floor is super regionals. And that – that to, I mean, you know, to even wrap up softball, that says so much about the program. Like two years in a row, coming off of three straight trips to the College World Series, the, the floor is the College World Series based on what we know about this program right now. So, I mean, what more can you say about Coach G? I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's good stuff, but – uh yeah, tough way to go out, but great season. I had a lot of fun watching. Well, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, it was a painful weekend as an Oklahoma State fan. Just the back and forth of softball and baseball, and it it took a toll. Like, I, I was to the point where I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think I went off the ride. Like, I, I, it, too much was happening, too much big stuff happening. At, at one time. And I, I wonder if there are any other Oklahoma State fans that feel the same way. I don't know how you felt watching, <laughs> trying to juggle an elimination game against Arkansas, who they've brought so many fans, can't stand them. Um, and they were the number two con- uh, team in the country just a month ago. And then you got Oklahoma State, you know, battling against Texas. I That was about all I could take. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot. I, you know, I enjoyed it. I love. I oh, love it was a Oklahoma it was State, a blast, but, but it, oh my gosh, it, until the end, obviously. So, but it was fun. It's fun when you're. It is fun though when you have teams that are good enough to make it into these tournaments, all be playing at the same time, and you just get to cheer on, you know, your favorite team, your alma mater in these in these games, and just have you know, good time watching it, even win or lose. And I know we'll talk about baseball, which which is a little bit more disappointing, and we'll get to that if that was a successful season. But overall, it was it was exhilarating. It, it really was. Um, you know, I, Dustin, I think we're good on softball. I think that's a great uh, transition into baseball, and we will talk about that after we hear from our sponsors. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are 
leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies with over 100 schools available. And I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift. Uh, home field apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out and use our promo code FEELS12 to get 15% off your first order. And of course, all orders over $100 get free shipping as always. Promo code FEELS12, 15% off your first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping at Home Field Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. All right, Dustin. We we led with softball for a reason because this this is probably a little more painful. I mean, you know, walking. Yeah, I don't know how long I can even talk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. I mean, let let's start with a positive. You and I were in on Rock Riggio three months ago, right? Ah, uh, he is electric. Yeah, he, we said when he was out of the lineup, he they they need him because he brings the energy. Josh said it in the pressers. Uh, they're actually all up on YouTube. I don't know if you want to go back and watch those now after the outcome, but you know, they're, they're I'll just watch YouTube. them while you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> Josh is saying Riggio, he he's the energy guy. He's got his hair down, just bringing the energy, just being crazy and getting hits and making plays in the field. He's going to be fun to watch for the next couple of years. And I, I'm glad, I'm glad we were in on him early, even when his bat wasn't going early on, even though he's a, true freshman getting accustomed to the college game some people were down on him but i knew he'd turn around he's a highly highly rated recruit he was a a 10th 11th round draft pick for a reason yeah because he's awesome yeah he's he's phenomenal and um i had i have a lot of thoughts about rock Riggio. number one the jack sparrow run around third base is why you love college baseball at least it's at least it's what i love about college baseball i think it can and Major League Arkansas baseball. nerds hated it. Oh, and I, I'm going to get to that. Don't worry. And I, we don't get hot takey on this podcast, but I'm going to take a second to talk about that. This isn't Major League Baseball, okay? These guys are not making $100 million over seven years. Like, let Rock Riggio tiptoe around third base, and your third base, your, your shortstop, I don't care who, they can do it too. It's college baseball. That might yeah, make you let, a D-bag, but it's college baseball. Get over it. Let, let Griffin Dorshing drop his bat like Thor's hammer after a walk, which I love when he does that. And ma- and make and make McLean pull it out of the earth's crust <laughs> like Excalibur. Yes, but uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. I, college baseball and Major League Baseball in general, it's it's fun when the guys are bat flipping and it is know, running their mouths a little bit. It, it it's it's a good time and and you know I, I I hate when the Arkansas players do it, but I do think it's still fun yeah you know it's 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 fun when the guys are jawing back and forth and obviously the arkansas players didn't care every time one of them got to second base they're chatting it up with riggio riggio laughing so it seemed like david mendham was the one on the hot seat (laughs) (laughs) um hey hey, i'm not even done here okay rock rock didn't do anything that a former quarterback from oklahoma wouldn't have done Okay, so you have all of these guys, all these OU fans on Twitter, who, by the way, just watched their first baseball game of the year. That is absolutely true. Um, Talking about Rock Riggio being, you know, uh, a showboat or not or not playing it the right way. And that is rich. And that's all I'm going to say. That's rich coming from that fan base. So, Dustin, I'm done. 
No, I, I agree. I, I think I, I love, I love when the guys are doing that. I think it's awesome. I, do I love too. the bat flips. I love the tossing the bat back towards your dugout. I mean, uh, Zach Gregory on the bases, Robert Moore did the same thing for Arkansas before Riggio did it. He sprinted around the bases. Well, and, and Zach- Riggio, I think went a little faster. <laughs> Riggio was flying. Um, but I mean, you know, the, the last thing I'll say, Zach Gregory, you just mentioned Robert Moore. Zach Gregory, after he made that catch on the wall, was flexing so hard, I thought he was going to pass out. I thought the blood was leaving his head. He was flexing so hard. And, and it's just like, <laughs> let these guys do what they're going to do. They're 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. Like, let them have fun. And if you can't handle it, maybe college baseball is not for you. So we lead off with Rock Riggio for a reason. Because player, the, the, player of the regional, I think. Uh, the player of the weekend in college baseball, if you ask me. I mean, show me another. He was 577 after, or he was 577 with four home runs before that strikeout at, in that eighth inning. I mean, he was unbelievable. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. He's, he's really, really good at second base as well. <laughs> he is. He is. So, I mean, Dustin, let's, let's just kind of run through the, the results of the regional real quick. I don't want to break it down game by game, if that's all right with you, because we can't talk about all the homers. That's going to be really tough. A lot of runs were scored. And it was exhausting. And I think baseball, more than anything, I just wanted off the ride. Softball was different. But baseball, <laughs> a 10-5 to 5 win over uh, Missouri State, and that game got a little dicey. They were hitting bombs. <laughs> then you go play Arkansas the next night, and you're, you've got a five-run lead twice. And, Dustin, at that point, I'm just going to pause. How did you feel about Oklahoma State's prospects at that point in time? they were easily going to win that game i thought they were well on their way to omaha i was like arkansas can't hang we we got this is what is what i was thinking and arkansas just puts on a a show in 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 the latter half of that game we walked and hit a lot of batters as well we they put on a show of plate discipline and timely hitting is what happened because four straight walks in Four straight bases loaded walks in a grand slam later, and uh, things look a little different, right? Yeah. and But then almost the opposite against Missouri State in the next game. Maybe the worst – I mean, it's great for Oklahoma State fans. It's great for the players putting up 29 runs in a game. Could be up there with the worst game I've ever watched of any sport. <laughs> the comeback was awesome, but then once the runs kept coming – it was like, how long is this game going to last? So, <laughs> that's, so that's what I was thinking. Those two games, or no, no, sorry, that Missouri State and the next Arkansas game, I believe, were both five hours long. So, and that that alone was insane. Makes it hard, <laughs> makes it tough to justify uh, the third game to, to the wife. You know what I mean? After <laughs> after ten hours of baseball and softball over the weekend, but. You're exactly right. The comeback from down 12 nothing was insane. I've never seen anything like that. And then Oklahoma State wins by more than they were down by. It's it's absolutely insane. I it's mean, beyond reason. 29 to 15. And then they play Arkansas literally like five minutes later. I think 50. Yeah, not enough for me to pull the chicken rule. off the grill. Yeah. <laughs> So, and then they, they win that game 14 to 10 in epic fashion as well with some really late runs. That one goes to extras. 
That game was phenomenal. And I thought, Cade, I knew both teams had depleted pitch, depleted bullpens. I thought Oklahoma State was going to run away with it in a high-scoring affair in the fifth game. And then it ends up being seven to three yeah. after a million runs in the three games before. Well, and it I think it got through four innings, if I'm not mistaken, maybe got through three and a half with no runs or hits. There was nothing happening in that fifth game. And it was just the complete opposite of how the entire regional had gone. You know, the commentators made some uh, remarks about how thick the air was at O'Brate, and it showed. I mean, there, the ball was not leaving the yard or jumping off the bat. There were a few times during this regional where balls got out that I thought had had no shot of getting out, and they just carried out. It's just that Payne County win, baby. But this game, this final game in this regional was not that way. And Oklahoma State had opportunities early on in this game before Arkansas ultimately strikes for four uh, in the middle of that game. Oklahoma State had opportunities prior to that. I think they had bases loaded at one point, and then they left yes. two on. So they left five runners on before Arkansas scored. Okay, that was the story of the regional. I think so. R- runners left on base, especially in the games against Arkansas. They were just they were just leaving too many guys on base and not capitalizing on teams on Arkansas walking them. They weren't capitalizing capitalizing on getting free passes. I mean, in game two, their 20 to 12 loss, there were 14 runners left on base. And I believe in the last game, I think it was 10. It's just, yes, 10. So yeah. that's, that's just too many. Yeah. That's just too many. They out hit Arkansas in the last game. Well, and I don't know how many Arkansas left on base, but it didn't feel like they had the same problem Oklahoma State did. They they were very good at timely hitting, and they were very good at advancing runners. And it just it felt like Oklahoma State in that last game just struggled with that. And I, I think you nailed it. I mean, they threatened twice. I think they had the bases loaded twice in that game. They got all the way to the eighth inning with a shot at it. Rock Riggio at the plate, and it's what you want right? Like Chase Atkinson right before that strikes out. And you almost think of that as a good thing because there's only one out and you don't want to ground into a double play and bring up rock with no, nobody on base and rock strikes out. And at that point it felt uh, like it was uh, a little bit of a foregone conclusion. And then obviously Arkansas puts up two more and it's over and it's over just like that. I think my two big negative takeaways of why Oklahoma State didn't get out of this regional are the runners left on base on the offensive side, not capitalizing on the walks. And from the pitching standpoint, too many walks, too Way many too hit many. batters. I I don't think I don't think I've seen Oklahoma State do that in any stretch of any series this season, hit that many guys. But then you got some excellent performances from the pitching staff, but I think just overall from the pitching staff, just too many. I mean, when Nolan McLean gets in in the uh, McLean gets in in the uh, in the Arkansas loss, the twenty to twelve loss, he strikes the first guy out, and then several walks, a hit batter. Then Martin comes in and gives up the grand slam, and that's it. It all got started by those walks. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. They struggled. And it was strange at times to try to observe and process why certain players were in when they were. And um, I'll kind of leave it at that. But I think that final game, the comeback against Missouri State and then beating Arkansas overshadowed 
a major storyline, and it's that Oklahoma State's pitching unraveled. Everybody. They, they had the yips. The entire pitching staff had the yips like I've never seen before. They, everybody they brought in was walking batters and hitting batters. It, it was really astounding, honestly. And yeah. it happened. Yeah. It was that late part of the Arkansas game. And then it was the beginning part of the Missouri State game where they, I mean, they had given up 25 runs in four innings. It, and, and a lot of it was because of the inability to throw strikes. Yeah, they were they just couldn't find the zone guy, especially the breaking stuff and the off speed pitches. They just were not locating any of those across the plate. And when they were, it was hanging and getting crushed out of the park. So I, I guess, Cade, maybe maybe on the we could talk the positive side just because I know we were kind of negative there about why they lost. But on the positive side, on the offensive side of the ball, we talked about Riggio, Jake Thompson, Caden Trinkle, Griffin Dorshing, Marcus Brown. Pretty much everybody was getting hits. They got a lot, a lot of hits in this region, as you can tell from the runs. And then from the pitching side of things, what Trevor Martin did in the Missouri State game in relief, 16 strikeouts and six and two-thirds out of the bullpen, insane. It was the OSU single-game record. Uh, Never seen anything like that either because he came in after everybody else had the gifts. He was throwing gas too at the end of that six and two thirds. He's yeah. still throwing just as hard as he was at the beginning. It looked like the tre- when Trevor Martin is on, he's a guy who you could see being a weekend starter next season. Yep. He just he just has the stuff. And then what Mitchell Stone gave you oh, in yeah. the 14 to 10 Arkansas win. This is a fifth year guy. You know, Josh got choked up in the press conference talking about Mitchell Stone. Just a fifth-year guy able to battle through tons of injuries, big lefty, come out there. And, you know, you go look at his stat line, six and a third, striking out seven, allowing five runs and 11 hits. But this is against Arkansas in a game four when he needed to go six innings because you didn't have a lot of pitchers left and you knew if you win, you had to play them again. And Mitchell Stone got out of some jams and he gave you everything he had i thought they maybe should have taken him out an inning before yeah then he yep. goes out and he goes out and still gets out of that last inning it was pretty amazing i mean some some gutsy efforts really across the board to get out of that saturday uh or i believe yeah no that would have been sunday to get out of sunday end of monday i mean they they put up what 43 runs that day that's yeah it's pretty incredible and mitchell stone and Trevor Martin stole the show from a pitching standpoint. Yeah, it was incredible. Uh, you got some good, you got a good, pretty good relief effort from uh, Justin Campbell in that last game. I know he gave up some hits late. Uh, Maderos did okay. You know, fan soccer struggled a little bit. Uh, he's He's been a little inconsistent as the season has gone along, even though he was excellent early on. But yeah, like you said, there was just inconsistencies. Pitchers couldn't locate their off-speed stuff. But Kate, I wanted to ask you the same question I asked for softball. Was this season a success? This one gets pretty fuzzy for me. Um, softball I, I was a hard guess. No. I think I do too. I mean, just my, my question is, what did they do? Um, you know, uh, national seed hosted a regional. That's the first answer that you think of. What major accomplishment during the season took place you you won two out of three against Vanderbilt who turned out to you know 
not have all that great of a year, although I believe they just advanced to the Supers, if I'm not mistaken. So they end up having a better year, but not the number two team in the country like we're used to seeing. And then I think the other crowning achievement was the sweep against Texas. But outside of that, there was some disappointing moments this season. The Dallas Baptist series, Texas Tech at home, TCU dropping two or three that series at home. It it got dicey late and not getting out of your regional makes it a disappointment. Yeah, I, I think I think that's the key. What you said at the end, and like you said, they had some they had some series that went well, like Vanderbilt. They had some that didn't. I I don't always fault teams for dropping a midweek game every now and then, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, you made great points there, but I think that last part, I think the ceiling for this team, a team that was ranked in most polls inside the top ten in preseason, who we had super high expectations for, and then they go out and like you said, get the national seed to host the supers and the regional, they don't even make it to the super regionals. I think the ceiling for this team was college world series. I think the floor was super regional. Yeah. And they, and they don't, they don't make it there. And, you know, even though they had some amazing wins in this regional, some of these games were gross. Like you said, you know, 15 runs, 20 runs. And I just think overall, it was a little bit of a letdown. I'm not a huge, you know, they still made it to the tournament. They're a national seed, but I think I don't think they reached their potential. I'll be honest with you. Um, and we we talked about this a little bit. The Arkansas draw was fun. I don't know how accurate it was. I mean, Arkansas was the number two team in the country on May 4th. They they were a a super regional team, hands down a month ago. They go through some struggles, and all of a sudden they end up in the Stillwater Regional. I don't know where else you put them, but all I know is you have you had other teams like a TCU. You had other teams like a Texas State. You had other teams like um, – let's just go, go down the list here at some other two seeds – Michigan. So I, it was just strange, and I, I know why they did it, but it, Arkansas was probably a, a one-seed uh, – uh, masquerading as a two seed. So yeah. that's kind of how I see it. They're very good. And again, we haven't even mentioned that they don't have Bryce Osmond. He's injured. The great point. He He's one of your weekend starters. He had a really, really good season after being pretty inconsistent the year before. And they don't have him to go to. He would have been a huge help in the bullpen. I, I mean, obviously as a starter as well. But yeah. It's it's just tough, but I'm I, I don't know, Kate. If 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 you if you don't have anything else on this season, we could we could talk about outlook for next year. Yeah, just the the last thing I'll say is I, it's a shame that we're not getting the North Carolina Tar Heels in Obrey. I was really looking forward to that. It was fun having Arkansas in Obrey as much as I I was a little scared of that draw. And the last thing I'll say, our worst fear came true about Arkansas, and it was that they got the bats going. They did. And they were a tough out for Oklahoma State. And, you know, as much as it's easy to, you know, gripe about the draw, uh, they were phenomenal. So, you know, yeah, no, you just I lost agree. a tough one. That would have been awesome. So next season, Cade, you're for sure losing Dorshing, Ramsey, relief pitcher, Jake Thompson. And then even though he still, I believe, could come back, you're definitely losing Justin Campbell. He went ahead and put something out on Twitter. He's going to be probably a first-round pick. 
I would think too, and we let me know your thoughts on this. I think you probably going to also lose McLean. Yep. You may lose Fansalker, Medeiros, Osman. Those are guys who are probably going to get drafted. So that's a lot of your pitching staff and one of your power hitters who also is your closer in McLean. I saw an interview on OSU Max with him. He said, you know, if the draft doesn't go how he he wants it to, he could see himself in an OSU jersey next year. I just I just think it is going to go how he wants it to, and it's hard to it's hard to come back if you get a good draft slot. So let's just say those guys are gone. David Mindham at first base, Rock Riggio at second, Aiden Miola, who we saw a little bit in this series, had the huge hit in the Arkansas win in game four, Aiden Miola at third base, Marcus Brown at shortstop, Bay, John Bay in left field, Caden Trinkle in center, Earhart in right field, Atkinson Doherty at catcher, and then you've got Car- – Carson Bench, who we, haven't, who we haven't even got to see yet, who can pitch and play in the field. You've got Baden Root, you've got Cale Davis, Bogus, Trevor Martin, Marsh, Morrill, Yur, all those guys coming back. And, and also as position players, you've got Brett Brown, Lyle Miller-Green, Jackson Kroll, Garrett Martin, Caden Brumbaugh. So they're returning a lot. What, what do you think? What do you they're think? They're returning the a lot of guys. Are? They're returning a lot of guys. I don't know if they're returning a lot of key production. Is as you were going through some of those names, Griffin Dorshing, and I'm I, I'm always thinking offensively. I think defensively they're going to be fantastic. That's that's oh, a yeah. lot of athletes all over the place. I'm more talking how are they going to score runs and keep up in the Big Twelve? Um, they're going to need to need to go get some guys. They're going to need to go find somebody like Griffin Dorshing, Jake Thompson, Nolan McLean. I mean, those three guys not being in this lineup next year is significant and. Uh, you got to have somebody to to come in and and replace some of that. Yeah, you need you need Marcus Brown and Zach Earhart to replicate what they did this season, both batting over three hundred. Because you're going to lose Jake Thompson, who was your best average hitter overall, best hitter. So I, I agree with you. You're going to need Earhart and Brown to continue doing what they're doing. You're going to need Trinkle to do what he did late in the season. You're going to need Ian Doherty to do what he did later on in the season. All these guys ended up hitting really well. And then Rock Riggio is going to need to do what he did in the tournament <laughs> at all times. But I, I actually think they are going to be okay offensively and defensively. I think my worry is the, the depth overall and the pitching staff. Pitching staff, I think, has to be number one based on who yeah. you, just, you just listed most – Oklahoma State starters. You just mentioned most of the relief staff. Obviously, Mitchell Stone, Trevor Martin still hanging around, but that's not great beyond that. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you got to go find another Victor Medeiros. I think you got to go find, I mean, Bryce Osmond, I could see hanging around. Um, he's probably going to get drafted, but if he doesn't, I mean, he's your day one starter. Yeah. If, if you could, if somehow Osmond and Medeiros come back, then you're in a, you're in a great spot. If those guys don't, I could see Bogus, Martin, Kale Davis, maybe making it into the weekend rotation. And Bogus just showed you a lot, I think. Yeah, I think so too. So I think those are some guys you'd go to. Maybe if one of Medeiros or Osmond stays, it's one of those guys and Bogus and Martin. And then Davis is your main guy out of the pin. It'll be interesting. I think they're going to have a really good team. I don't think... 
I don't think it's going to be as overall talented as this year's team, but I do think they'll still be really good. And I expect this to be another team that is hosting a regional next year. I think overall that's as talented a team as Oklahoma State's had since, I mean, I can remember 2017 is the first one I would, or I say 2017, I think it's 16 when they went to the college world series. Um, those, those two teams are Josh Holiday's best. Um, and yeah. I think this one, might have had more offensive talent than than that team. So it's disappointing to see the way it ended. But I, I think they'll be able to reload. Obraid is a, a gem. They can recruit to that with no no problem whatsoever. Um, let, if you let's, can get, convince Hall, Jackson Holiday to uh, – Well, that would, no be, <laughs> that would be a help, but I don't think that's going to happen. No, neither do I. But I think, it'll, I think this will still be a really good team next year. Like I said, I don't think they're as talented as this year's team, obviously losing guys like Justin Campbell for one, uh, Griffin Dorshing as well, Jake Thompson. Those are three big names right there, key parts of your team. But I think this is a team whose goal has to be hosting a regional next year. And I, I think your, your floor is – Two or three. I mean, I, I think if you don't make the tournament, it's it's. Ooh, bad. if you don't make the tournament, that that's almost not acceptable. Regardless, yeah, this isn't going to be a good team. This yeah. is going to be a good team next year. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that would fly. So, uh, Dustin, let's let's wrap this up. We talked about some really depressing stuff over the last hour. Um, before we do that, though, I do want to take a break and say a quick thank you. To sponsor the podcast, Price Buckley with Edward Jones. Price is the fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. You can reach Price at 469-757-0290 on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash Price hyphen Buckley. That's spelled B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. Uh, we need some like elevator music behind that. Like I need to be able to cue it up, hit it, and then let's go with the ad read. So that would anyway, be sick. Price, appreciate your support of the show. Dustin, a couple of quick housekeeping notes here. Uh, the, the main story in football is, is the commitment of Dylan Smith. We talked about him on the show. I mean, your, your first reaction to that, your, your prolonged thoughts on that. Yeah, he's a uh, three-star Defensive back, uh, 5'11", 6 foot, about 175 out of Denton, Texas. He's the brother of Cam Smith, who's on Oklahoma State's team right now. He's the eighth commit for the 2023 class. I, you know, I like what I've seen from this guy. He, he chose Oklahoma State over offers from Arkansas, Colorado, Louisville, Nebraska, Indiana, Kansas, Houston. He had several more than that. Visited Oklahoma State back in April for the spring finale. And he committed. I, I know he really liked his meeting with Derek Mason. I think he can play safety or corner. I think they're going to probably try to play him at corner. He's a multi-sport guy, basketball and track. Very physical. Uh, gets up as well. He's he's a guy that will go against a receiver for a contested catch, get up there at the high point, and try to take that football out of the air. He's got a really big wingspan. I think last season, 25 tackles, four picks, 12 pass breakups, and he took one of those back for a TD. I, I like him. He, he's very fast, seems like a very smart football player, got a lot of alertness on the football field, able to kind of survey, break on a football, and I, I think he's exactly what this Oklahoma State defense is looking for in a cornerback. Yeah, I think so too. He's a, a really sharp prospect, and again, I think Oklahoma State continues – 
to impress with the recruiting wins that they're pulling out still against Arkansas, Colorado, Houston, Indiana. I mean, Memphis, Nebraska, North. I mean, these are, these are teams that keep popping up in these offer lists that Oklahoma state's competing against. And you, you love to see him come out on top with that one. And I think Dylan Smith, I mean, you, you with the last thing you said there, that that's the kind of guy they're wanting. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So they've got, They've got eight commits now in the 2022 class, or sorry, 2023 class, and they're ranked 21st, I believe, on 247. So it's Dylan Smith at corner, Billy Walton, who's kind of that Leo defensive end spot, Zane Flores at QB, Jaden Foreman, defensive line, Cam Franklin, who also probably played defensive back, Jack and Dean at offensive line, Ricky Lojolea, defensive lineman, and then Jacoby Sanders, who is an offensive lineman. So that's pretty much the recruiting class right now. Like I said, they're ranked 21st. A lot of teams only have a few commits. Some have a lot. That affects your ranking because it'll move up and down based on that, based on their ratings, the class size, and everything like that. So we'll kind of see where this goes, but I, I, I like the Dylan Smith pickup some really good long-term prospects in this class too. And I mean, Dylan Smith, obviously the highest rated out of all of them, but I mean, Billy Walton is still in this class and I think he's, he's got Colin Oliver written all over him to me. I mean, Zane Flores still um, Jaden Foreman. I, I think there's some talent in this class, Cam Franklin. I, I think they've got some guys that just like they do in typical Oklahoma state fashion, finding guys that fly under the radar and develop them into four stars. That's, that's what this class looks like right now. Yeah, it's a nice pickup. I like it. Nice. Always nice. good to get a brother of a player. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, Dustin, a couple other quick housekeeping items. Uh, we've got football camp going on. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so this week we've got – we had the mini camp, the first mini camp on Sunday, June 5th. Then Monday was the show, which you've heard – this was, I think, Casey Dunn and Mike Yersich, I think, started this. Uh, it's a lot of the skill position players – then today, Tuesday, you have the Down and Dirty Lineman Camp. Next Monday, you've got the Youth Camp. Then on the fall, that Tuesday, June 14th, is the Specialist Camp, so kickers, punters. And then on Saturday, July 30th, there's another mini camp. So, Cade, there is a lot of notable people. I know at the mini camp, you had Walker White, big-time four-star quarterback there. In the running backs, you had a big name from Beggs, Red Martell, who I know a lot of people have been talking about. Wide receivers, you had uh, Kaysen Cabanis, who oh. I know has a lot of connections to Oklahoma State. You had Justin Crutchmer, who's a wide receiver, and he is the younger brother of former Cowboy wrestler Kyle Crutchmer. Yeah. So you get you had a lot of guys out there. You had uh, Kenan Jal Thomas from Dell City, big-time defensive back. A lot of people at the mini camp, and then at the the show, Zane Flores was there. You also had Todd Drummond, you had Gage Gundy, Warren from Bishop McGinnis, and David McComb from Edmund Memorial were all quarterbacks there. Uh, they had a lot of the tight ends there: Joshua Smith, Ethan Hulk, the wide receivers. One of them we talked about from Idaho uh, on last podcast, Gatlin Bear. He was there. Cameron Hurd from Houston, 2023 wideout, who recently got an offer, I think, like right before we got on this podcast. Dylan Smith was there on the defensive side of the ball. And Gabriel Rodriguez, younger brother of our guy Malcolm, 
Albazar. So, so I just kind of wanted to list off some of those names because some interesting connections, some guys that were just offered. So it, it's fun. This camp time is fun. The guy, the coaches get to take a look at all of these guys. I haven't seen anything today from the uh, O-line and line camp, but I'm sure we'll hear something on that in the next couple of days. We can talk about it next week, but fun stuff. I'm sure there'll be some offers coming out of this too. Like we've already seen. No doubt. And it's, it's fun to know the guys that are related to former athletes out there, like Malcolm, yeah. Kyle Crutchmer, Kale Cavanis, Cade Cavanis. I mean, all of the, all the Cavanis brothers are going to Oklahoma state. You love to see that. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of fun. We'll keep you posted on that, on that uh, kind of stuff there that related to the camps and the offers like we always do with the recruiting, but not a ton of other big news on that front this week. And, and really the only notable thing that occurred uh, in Oklahoma State basketball this week is a new scheduling announcement, which we're in hashtag scheduling season. This is about the time of year where you start to see what the non-conference schedule is going to look like. And uh, Dustin, I mean, a, an interesting pairing, may, maybe not one that I'm over the top excited about with DePaul, uh, a couple others, but interesting enough. Yeah, DePaul, UCF, Santa Clara. It's in the Bahamas. Well, that's nice. So, yeah, John Roth, Rothstein reporting that. Oklahoma State's got an interesting non-conference schedule shaping up, though. It'll be, it'll be fun. You know, they're going, <laughs> they're going to New York. They're going to Detroit. They're going to the Bahamas. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see the Cowboys kind of all over the world, world travelers next year. Well, season. and that's a funny um, – I got a couple of thoughts about this. Just first, that's kind of a funny – field to be playing in the Bahamas like you've got the Maui Invitational and they're going to have Gonzaga Duke whoever's out there um but I, I like it for the kids like it's cool that these guys get to go out there and play oh yeah kind of a low-key exhibition type of game um early on in the year it's it's awesome I'm, I'm I'm jealous um the other thing is it appears that Oklahoma State at least right now is taking a little more of a conservative approach to scheduling in this offseason. I don't know if you've noticed this, but they haven't thrown out a Houston or a um, you know a marquee tournament where they're going to go up against a Villanova or a you know a Louisville, for example. That it seems like they're being a little conservative. I th I think that will change. I think there will be some names that come up, but right now there's no U USC, there's no Houston. I think Wichita State is on the schedule, if I'm not mistaken, um, but. It's, it's just interesting to see them uh, kind of taking this approach. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I'm sure, like you said, we'll see some of those pop up. But right now it does seem kind of more like some teams that are more in the middle than your upper echelon schools. Yeah. You're used to them seeing. I, I do think playing Oakland away is going to be an interesting one because that's, that's, a, that's in a Detroit. Tr a true road game? Yes, I believe Ew. it is. We shouldn't be, here's what I'll say. We shouldn't be playing games like that. I've, I said that when Oklahoma State went to Central Michigan. I said it when they went to South Alabama. Oklahoma State shouldn't be playing road games in environments like that. It's just ripe for uh, something to go wrong. They may be playing at a different stadium. I, I could have that incorrect, but that is where the University of Oak or Oakland University is located in Detroit. So. I, well, I guess I'll have to live with it. That's okay. I'm, I'm not the one <laughs> making the schedule, and I'm thankful for it. So, Kate. I did one more thing before we get sure. to questions. Uh, I just wanted to mention it real quick because it was on football. Justin Blackman 
included uh, on the 2023 College Hall of Fame ballot, which is pretty awesome. You have to to be eligible. There's there's multiple criteria, but one of them is you have to have uh, been graduated for 10 full seasons or since you played college football, it has to be 10 full seasons. So he meets that criteria now, and he I think he's going to get in. What do you think? I mean, first ballot Hall of Famer, you think? Should be. He's two-time Blendikoff winner. You know, that's the seasons he had in 2010 and 2011, you know, and in 2010, 111 receptions for 1,782 yards and 20 touchdowns followed that up in 2011 with 122 catches, 1,522 yards and 18 touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's just absurd how good he was. I mean, was the strongest guy on the field when he, when he got in the secondary was unstoppable. Um, 38 touchdowns in two seasons. In two seasons. That's outrageous. It should be a first ballot, no question in my mind, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right, Dustin. Well, let's get right to it then. I mean, it's question time. Every week we get these. I don't think we have any voice questions. And I, oh, actually, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We do. We have a late submission. I think we just got one. We have a late submission. Uh, and, And who else? Our can, guy. You, can you guess, Dustin? Our guy, Ryan. Ryan, thank you. Here you go. Hey, guys. Sorry, this is super late. You may already be recording, but I just want to know why us? <laughs> I hadn't heard that yet, Ryan. Uh, and Ryan, I, I will also say I appreciate that people know when we're recording. Like, not it's not just me and you and our wives. Like, other people <laughs> know that we're recording at this time. Ryan, thanks for the question. I don't know, but it's something. I don't know if there's some sort of old spell put on us, but it's something. It's weird. Yeah, it's tough to take those losses at the same time on the same night. I I feel like if the softball one wasn't at the same time as the baseball one, it would have still been heartbreaking. But because they made it so far and this team did so much like we talked about, I think I would have been able to handle it a little bit better. But because it happened at the same time as the baseball one, yeah, it was crushing. I, I was literally feeling like Andy Bernard when he uh, punches that hole in the wall. I mean, it was literally that Arkansas game last night after it's just it's the perfect culmination of an already tough weekend in that regard. I, I was ready to throw, throw my hand through a wall, but I didn't um, because we may take L's, but we don't hold them, my friend. That's 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 how and, I live. And just to end the softball and baseball and on this part of the question on a positive note, I did our buddy, our buddy Jeff S is saying Miranda Ellis is going to be a grad assistant. She's already kind of committed to that at oh, Oklahoma phenomenal. State. So that that's pretty awesome that she'll get to hang around because she is a lot of fun. She is yeah. very just see got a great personality. She's awesome to watch in interviews and she seems it she seems to be well liked on the team. So that's really cool. And and she's a great softball player. Yeah, no doubt. Always good to keep those people around. Vanessa Shippy still walking around Stillwater. So uh she is awesome. Uh they OSU Max put up a film session thing from the I think it was preparing for a college world series game or preparing for super regional. I can't remember, but Shippy's in there kind of leading the film session and it's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Ryan, thanks for the question. Appreciate your brother. Okay, so we've got our guy CC at Curse of Cowboys hitting us with two questions. One of them's an over-under, obviously. Mm. He said, over-under two grad transfer pitchers join the men's baseball team this softball season, or this offseason. Ah, 
I'm going to go under. I, I, I'm just going to go transfer pitchers in general. Oh, okay. Well, if we're just going transfer pitchers, I'll take the over, whether they're starters or not. I was sitting here thinking a grad okay, transfer. If, you, not if you're just going to go they, grad, yeah. If you're just going grad transfer, I, I think I'd go under maybe one. Because if it's a grad transfer, they're not coming if they're not starting. I wouldn't think unless unless they're lower tier, willing to accept that type of role. But I I don't know who the well who, or if they're or if they are a bullpen guy. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm going to take the under if it's grad transfer and transfer in general. I'll take the over. Yeah, I like that. I, I think I'll agree with you there. And then his second question is, which OSU team, men's or women's, has the best chance at a natty next year? Ooh. Now, so I don't – not 100% sure. I know women's tennis was really good this year. They made it to the Sweet 16, so I don't know how many people are leaving from that team. Did we answer a question like this similar last week? I because think it was. I think it was a. I think it was a little bit similar, but I think we were talking about. I think it was, who wins the next championship? I yeah, think is what we talked about. I think we. We're it's talking framed softball. a little differently. I think my answer is the same. I think. I think it's golf. I think it's men's golf as well. I think those other. Not that a golf championship is easy to win by any stretch, but with <laughs> Eugenio coming back, yes, basically everybody's back, like we said, except Gupta. Exactly. So yeah, I, I think I think I like men's golf as well or football. Who knows? Well, but, uh, <laughs> I just, you and I just agree on everything. I don't even know why we do this anymore. <laughs> uh, appreciate that uh, question at Chris Cowboys. We we love those over unders. Our guy uh, Fuller Fun Boy, friend of the pod, Alex Fuller. <laughs> he sent a picture of two 1945 championship banners. One of them being football, and one of them being basketball I, it looks like this may be from amazon or ebay i'm not 100 sure but he said we'll ally be, express we'll, probably well, yeah will buying these banners make me feel better after last night fyi doesn't matter what you say because i've already bought them so <laughs> i'm gonna go with yes they will make you feel better i mean if he's already telling us i've already said that my favorite thing about this podcast is when people answer their questions and the question <laughs> they ask alex you just said it so congratulations he, on your beautiful new banners. He'll be fine. We're going on a trip this weekend uh, with some buddies, and he's he'll be fine. He'll, he'll be get fine. over it. He will be yeah. fine. But uh, And also thankful for his service this weekend. I don't know if you caught him on Twitter, but uh, thankful for his service. <laughs> yeah, if you, don't, if you don't follow at FullerFunBoy4 on Twitter, don't. Yes. Still don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and in for some weird wacky stuff yeah he said uh well anyway no i'll y'all figure that out <laughs> okay and our last one uh from the twitter mentions i i believe we have one in the dms i'll pull up as well from m our guy uh at underscore camera one underscore thank you for the question m he says have all football players including freshmen reported to campus for summer session so Kate, I know summer school started this week, and I saw Polk's report put out an article. It sounds like everybody, new freshmen, transfer players. I haven't seen anything on DeAndre Jackson. I know he was having the academic issues of kind of the credits lining up. I haven't seen if he's for sure there, but I believe everybody else is. 
or I think Robert Allen would have put in his article if somebody was missing. So yeah. I think everybody's there. Spencer Sanders and Jason Taylor are the ones kind of leading the workouts. I know they're going to have uh, the metabolic workouts on Mondays and Thursdays. And then that shifts to Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. And I actually think they're working out in the stadium right now because the Sherman Smith training center is getting some new turf installed, but they'll be doing that. And then I think there's a break for July 4th and they kind of get back to where the coaches can start working with them a little bit since those rules changed uh, a couple of years ago. So everything's starting to kind of pick up for football season. There won't be a lot of news outside of recruiting, I don't think, but it's right around the corner. Yeah, it is. And I think you nailed it. If, if we haven't heard about it, I would expect them to have already been there. So, yeah. And the last question uh, from our guy, Philip Slavin, who runs the 1012 Network. Appreciate the question, Philip. He says, can you break down each OSU coach's football recruiting area, where in the country they focus specialize? So I think this changes sometimes, but I know recently when they just traveled, and I know I know McIndoo is always the same, but I think this is how it shook out or shakes out normally. Joe Bob has Texas and Kansas. And obviously, you know, if there is a D-line linebacker, O-line commit, you know, Dickey's going to go to the O-line. It's not – they're not yeah. going to not go somewhere. But their main area – I know Joe Bob does Texas and Kansas. Dickey does a lot of the Houston area. Tim Duffy does the Dallas. Hammer does Louisiana and some Texas. McIndoo is beast – Texas, as he calls it, or East <laughs> Texas. Retasia's QBs everywhere. And then at Richmond, I think, primarily focuses on Texas. But the thing about that is most of the recruits are Oklahoma and Texas. So a lot of these guys are going to focus on Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah. Like Houston, Dallas, and then some Louisiana. If it's outside of those areas, I'm sure it's just whatever the position is. But I, I, I think the only one that really kind of not brags, but talks about the area that they recruit as Mac and I know he's big on being East Texas. I agree with you. I think it's, it's less like a sales territory and more like we're going to recruit by position group. And I, I think you broke that down very well, but uh, yeah, that's actually, I, it's actually eye opening. I didn't quite think of it that way. So. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I know they do that just so they don't all have to travel just to see like a camp or watch. Right film and then they can say hey you know while i was watching this offensive lineman i also saw this quarterback so retain maybe you go so it, it's cool uh, college football recruiting sounds extremely interesting i don't think i could do it not i mean one because i'm dumb but two no chance sounds like a lot of work which i know is why some guys get to the nfl and don't want to come back to college yeah, you and you and i don't have the sea legs we <laughs> it's, it's not our style we need our, we yeah. need our Saturdays and Sundays. <laughs> and guys, I know uh, I know it's off season, but feel free and we really appreciate the questions. Feel free to send us questions on any part of Oklahoma State sports. If you want to yep. ask us a basketball question in the middle of July, feel free. If you want to ask us about a recruit, if you want to ask us something about stats, you know my guy, uh, friend of the pod, and and my good friend David sent us a baseball stat question that I want to look into more. I didn't have time before, but if you want to send us questions like that, we may not get to it the next pod, but I'm always down to compile together some stats and Cade can always always down to help me with that. I'll take it a step further. I'll tell you where I get my hair cut. I'll I'll tell you my workout (laughs) routine. Dustin will tell you how he keeps his beard trim. We will. If you, (laughs) if you want to ask us personal questions, feel free as well. But mainly I was just saying that I know, I know it's, the off season we're going to keep recording we've got some 
we've got some guests we're going to line up in a series we're going to try to do. We'll talk about more about that once we kind of nail down some dates. But feel free to ask us any Oklahoma State sports question. We'll do our best to answer it. And we love the questions. Ryan, thanks so much for always sending the audio. If if you're going to continue doing it, we can see how long the streak goes. I mean, it's it's not a challenge, but I mean, let's see if you can do it. All right, Dustin, before we get out of here, just one other quick note that's very noteworthy. Ricky Fowler and this new LIV golf league are, t- if it's not a done deal, they're, they're, they're definitely walking to the altar. That's what it starts to feel like. Yeah. So now we've got, uh, we've got three OSU yeah. guys in Confirm. Taylor Gooch, Peter Uline and Ricky Fowler. That is interesting. Well, and Ricky's not, he did not qualify for the upcoming U.S. Open. And he, so he's, he's like the first alternate though, right? I think he is the first alternate um, and which he would likely be there in that event, but didn't qualify directly for it, which is right. disappointing. Ricky might be, take your you know emotion out of, of the equation when talking about the LIV might be the perfect opportunity for him. I mean, it, he, his career has not gone the way it, probably should have or the way he wanted it to over the last couple of years it might be good for him yeah i if he's yeah he's gonna get a big payday i'm assuming so. <laughs> it's it's been interesting to see how all of these guys navigate this and everybody says some variation of like it's the best opportunity for me like this is good for my family aka i'm making a boatload of money yeah, so the, the first event is like a team event. Oh, is it? I thought I saw like there were team names or something like that coming out. Well, let's it's strange. I it's a whole new league that I don't understand it. And apparently there's one. Is there one in the United States here soon? Is there an event? Portland. Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it has taken the sports world by storm. There's no doubt about it. And I mean, it's, it's really become a topic of conversation. Like even like the, it's a water cooler. Type yeah. Of there is a team event. There's individuals, but there's also team events Man. for golf, for golfer teams. So that'll, well, be, that'll be interesting. I just, I just want somebody to come out and say, yeah, they paid me a hundred million dollars. <laughs> so like, just say that. Yeah. Anyway, no, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that where that goes. Well, we, I'm sure there will be an update by the time we get on this next week. But before then, Dustin, that's it. Not not a um, like we're usually talking about great Oklahoma State things. Those two seasons, fun seasons, no doubt about it. Ended in brutal fashion, but uh, take it for what it's worth. It was fun. Uh, I enjoyed breaking it down with you. I watched more Oklahoma State softball than I have in my entire life, and I will plan to watch every game next year. Just fell in love with it. It was a blast. And, Kate, I think officially we have returned to being a football podcast. <laughs> Welcome back. Starting to, feel, <laughs> starting to feel like 45 again around these parts. Yeah, so we'll probably focus mainly on football moving forward with basketball obviously sprinkled in. And if there's any football, softball, golf, big time news, we'll get back to it. But we won't be uh, won't be doing a lot of off season baseball, softball breakdowns, probably. Yeah, so, I think we just entered season three of the Feels Like Forty Five podcast just by default. 
yes, it's it's football time, which we love the other sports, but we really love football. Yeah, and it's going to be fun. We've got a lot of cool stuff planned for you. Won't tell you what it is, but you'll definitely want to keep it locked with us. So you might as well do that. You should follow us on Twitter if you're not already. It feels like 45 pod. Follow Dustin at Dustregu and follow me on Twitter at Cade Webb. Dustin, if you don't have anything else, I'll sign us off. We'll talk to you next week. Go Pope.